This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul here on the Soul to Soul Network, the Fabringen Show, and now it's time to really get into it and start. Um, the topic I want to talk today is obviously sensitive. When I spoke in Shul Friday night, I gave an introduction. I think it's important to give the same introduction over here, and that is very often when we speak ideas and we talk them in sound bites, whether it's a radio show for 35 minutes with breaks, etc., it's impossible to encompass a full concept, but rather to really generate conversation, to create a thought process, to get people to think whether to agree or disagree. So, like, it's very important as I delve into the topic that we address that there are a million ways of looking at it and this is not the way to look at it. It's a way to look at it. And even that way, it's very nuanced. And even when bringing it across in maybe ways that come across as absolute, it's always a nuanced concept. So with that introduction, I want to go into it. And that is what I find more and more and more. I don't think it's rocket science. I think many people will acknowledge that they see the same thing is that we're living in a time that very very few people feel comfortable with the discomfort. In other words, many people love being comfortable. So some people call it the quick fix generation, the everything has to happen quickly. I prefer to just see it differently and give it a different name. And that is we're very uncomfortable we're uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. The second something makes us a bit awkward, nudges us. It's not exactly up to standards that we imagine life to be. We suddenly throw all our toys out of the cot and we get very disappointed. And you see it, whether it's politics that doesn't always work out well, whether it's finances that don't always work out well, it's relationships that don't, that have t- tough days, you often see that people are collapsing emotionally over pettiness. Again, in no way am I saying that everything we collapse about is pettiness. There's a lot of people who are suffering real, real pain and their emotional turmoil is real and valid and in no way am I disrespecting it. There are many of us and I put myself included as well, that at times we fall apart over actual nonsense. In other words, we fall apart over life itself. At some stage, it looks like many of us convinced ourselves that life is supposed to be comfortable. Again, I didn't say life is supposed to be good because, please God, life is is good and should be even better. But life is supposed to be comfortable. Is that a true statement? Think about how much we spend money time, headspace on making our life comfortable to sit in the perfect car, to fly on the perfect flight, to live in the perfect house, to eat the perfect food, to have the perfect job, to earn the perfect salary, or rather the comfortable salary, the comfortable food. Everything has to be pleasurable. Life is about pleasure. Life's about comfort. Again, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. The problem is when we develop a mindset that says life is here to be comfortable, unfortunately, when life gets uncomfortable, and it always does, 
do we cope? Are we a coping generation? Are we a generation that copes? Again, let me clarify. I'm not justifying um, God for all the challenges we did. It's not about um, a cynical or morbid worldview that sits there saying that life is miserable and hectic, etc. No, it's just understanding that's life, that life is challenging. Life is uncomfortable. The fundamental difference between heaven and and earth, the fundamental difference between the world to come and the world that is, is one is a world of comfort and one is a world of discomfort. We weren't born to be comfortable. We were born either to make ourselves uncomfortable or to overcome the uncomforts that come towards us. It's very funny because very often when we bring children into the world, when we have a child and we look at this perfect, beautiful little baby and we say the saying, gosh, I bless you with the most blissful and comfortable life. But if it's comfort that we're seeking, then we could have done the child a favor and never bring them into the world in the first place. Because wherever that child, he or she were before, chances are they had a much more pleasurable, comfortable life than the one here. Life isn't about pleasure. It has pleasure. But it's not the meaning of life. It's not the purpose of life. It's not something to set all our aspirations for. If Because if life is comfortable, then life... It's a, it, then we enter the incredible paradox. Why live? And unfortunately, that question, why live, is becoming rampant as so many people are questioning that more and more every day, which is so painful to hear. And of course, very often it's coming from serious mental illness and serious issues that have to be addressed. At the same time, questions of life often come from a place of, my life is so uncomfortable. I just lost my money. I just made a fool out of myself. I just um, broke a relationship and life is not worth living because the second life is uncomfortable, the second life is painful, I can't live. And I think that's a very dangerous worldview. It's not a pessimistic worldview to say and acknowledge that life is tough. It's realistic. And it's actually optimistic to believe that we can overcome it. Optimism doesn't mean that there will never be challenges. Every morning we wake up, we are guaranteed there'll be challenges. It could be our health. It could be our finances. It could be our child that's going through adolescence. It could be um, something in our job. It could be something totally out of the blue. Normal life stuff. I'm not even talking about freak accidents and you know stuff that come crazy. Real regular life. As the expression goes, life happens. And yet so many of us, the second life happens and the smallest thing comes to us, we fall apart. Oh, my God. It's not what I signed up for. It's not what I signed my kid up for. So the kid comes home and the kid didn't do well on the test. And instead of teaching the kid how to cope with the sense of discomfort, we call and scream at the teacher, make sure that the teacher is bullied into giving the kid a mark so that the kid is comfortable again. You could call it making your kid happy. You could call it it's des- that the kid deserves it, whatever you want. But what you did is you took your kid from a place of discomfort to comfort because you were terrified of your child being uncomfortable. Why is that so terrifying? Why is discomfort terrifying? Why when the kid is crying because, you know, life was a little tough that day in school, 
do we right away enter a cadenza, freak out, shut the whole world down, make 50,000 phone calls? Obviously, if there's hectic bullying going on, we have to get into involved. But the day-to-day life, a kid comes home and they just had a challenging day in school. Things didn't work out perfectly. Instead of falling apart together with our child or losing the temper, I'll tell that teacher what I think. Why don't we just look at the child and sit there saying, how does it feel to be uncomfortable? How does it feel to be uncomfortable? Can you learn to live with that feeling? Can you believe in yourself that you will overcome that feeling? Can you believe yourself that you are big enough to fight this challenge? Instead of telling each other techniques of how to make our lives more comfortable, we should be empowering each other with the message that you are strong enough to overcome, that you can face this challenge. Yes, we pray to Hashem to remove challenges from us, but ultimately some form of challenge Please God, an easy one or a light one will face us every single day of our life. Every moment of our life. The challenge of whether to be good. The challenge of whether to control our thoughts, control our words, control our actions. Every moment is a challenge. And instead of us trying to wish the challenges away and find quick fixes to take the challenges and make them disappear, on the contrary, we should be telling ourselves and each other, You're strong enough for this. You can fight this challenge. You can learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I'd like to play a song for you now on the a cappella. Again, this is Gamki Eilech. Even when I walk in challenging times, God's with me and I'm not afraid. How I prepare here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi, Links Field Shul, feel good. Hmm. That's what we're talking about here, feeling good. So, there's a statement that goes, God helps those who help themselves. I actually want to Google where that statement comes from. I don't recall that being a um, translation from anything in the Bible. I might be wrong. Um, you can WhatsApp us if you find the source on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine Telegram SMS number three four five one nine. And everyone loves quoting that statement. Uh, the second you go onto the topics of faith, the second you go onto the topics of, you know, embracing discomfort, etc. Everyone loves that statement that says God helps those that help themselves. The problem is that very often we forget the first half of the statement, God helps those, and we often focus on those who help themselves. Now, I'm not sure if the expression should really go God helps those who help themselves. I think God helps everybody. Um, I think don't only think he helps, he actually runs the world. And I don't think it's called helping yourself, um, but rather those God wants us to do our part. And he helps us regardless if we do our part or not. So that statement I find fundamentally flawed for many reasons, especially because it's often used as an excuse to forget about God and just sit there saying, well, I have to help myself. And therefore, because I have to help myself, goes the logic. Let's play along. So therefore, I have to panic the second things are uncomfortable because, you know, God is not exactly here coming to help me. So I have to panic. I have to start making hectic decisions. I have to emigrate. I have to stop having kids. 
I have to start uh, sitting around the Friday night table and talking um, realistic conversations about how the world is coming to an end because I run the world, not God. Really? Really? Could any of us have predicted yesterday where today would be? Could anyone have predicted the world where it would be? I mean, the truth is the question itself is silly. Like, it's common sense for any one of us that thinks to to realize that we don't run the world and that none of us were given the job of being prophets about the world, but rather our jobs were to live within the world that God created and believe in ourselves to overcome the challenges that are thrown at us and to overcome them. Not because we're helping ourselves, but because that's the purpose of life. The purpose of life is living in a world and waking up every day and facing the challenge. Today, the second we have a challenge, we scream, I'm a victim. I'm disempowered. I can't help myself. Look at my scenario. Look how bad my life is. In many ways, yes, some people have miserable lives and some people's lives are not miserable. But the truth is, if any one of us wanted an excuse for why our life is terrible, we have all excuses. Every one of us has had enough challenges in life to justify failing our life. But that's not the purpose. Life's not about here for looking for excuses. That's not what we're put here for. We're not here to justify why we're not overcoming our challenges. We're not here to magnify our challenges. We're not here to feel sorry for our challenges. We're here to fight. But we often forget that. We often get deflated by when, th- when things come our way. And again, let me clarify what I said earlier. Repeat, I'm not talking about those really, really hectic challenges that unfortunately some people face, which are really life-shattering. But even then, we can overcome every challenge. I'm talking about the day-to-day grind of living. The guarantee that each and every one of us has that every morning we wake up, climb out of bed and turn our phone on, things will happen. The only way to make sure life doesn't happen is move to a forest, lock yourself out of the universe. But even then, you can't guarantee your health. You can't guarantee um, anything. You could try. But if our point of life is avoiding discomfort, then why in the world is it worth to be alive? Death is much more comfortable than life. Sorry for that statement. But it's true. Death is more comfortable. That's why we often use the expression when people pass away, they're at peace. Because that's what happens in death. People go and find peace. We even say it at the grave. Tanuach b'shalom al mishkavcha. You should rest in peace. That's death. Life is about struggle and optimism within the struggle. Life's not about avoiding struggle. Life's not about complaining about struggle. Life's not about convincing ourselves that we can't overcome our struggles. Life's about empowering ourselves to remind ourselves day in and day out, I can fight. The scariest thing is how many people think they can't fight their own fights, that they're not strong enough to live their own lives. That's heartbreaking. How many people, whether it's contemplating suicide, heaven forbid, whether it's just locking themselves out of challenges, caving out of relationships because the relationships are hard, 
backing out of uncomfortable scenarios, running from the for the hills every time things just seem a bit awkward. That's not why we're here. We must face. We can face. We're here to face, and we are given the power. As the Talmud says, Eina Kaddish Baruch Hu of God does not put us in scenarios that we can't overcome. That's a true statement. Again, I'm not justifying the challenges we're given. I'm just saying that after we scream out to God, you know, asking Him to maybe make our challenges easier, we have to remember that whether God listens to our prayer or not, we are empowered to do it. And let me just clarify, of course God listens, but whether he agrees and changes a scenario or not, we can fight. But there's so many of us who walk around feeling like we cannot live our own lives. We can't face our own demons. We can't overcome our own challenges. Or we can't live with our challenges. Or we're not worthy living because of our challenges. These are terrible thoughts. We can fight. That's what we're here to do. We can fight. We can get up every day and learn to live with the uncomfortable. Learn to live with paradox. I was sitting with a certain fellow a a little while ago who was insisting, Rabbi, the world is black and white. Okay, fine. There's right and there's wrong. Okay, so I looked at him and I sit there saying, is this paper, is this paper right or wrong? Well, that's not a fair question. Well, is this microphone that I'm talking through right or wrong? It's potential. I could turn it right, I could turn it wrong, but most of the time it's actually gray. And even some of the stuff I'm saying are gray. Again, many of us are very uncomfortable acknowledging how complex life is and how gray it is. I'm not saying that morality is gray, morality is black and white. But living is complicated. And we're confronted with scenarios that are often not scripted. You can't just call up and sit there saying, hey, what do I do now? It's not black and white. It's more nuanced. Sometimes you have to live through the process. Okay? For example, someone's married 10 years versus married one year. Or 50 years versus one year. Now, the person married the first year will sit there saying, oh, I want a marriage like after 50 years, that comfort, that comfort. It's impossible. You have to live 50 years in a relationship to, to develop that 50 year relationship. I remember describing before I was married, before I was dating, I described from my mom to my mom the marriage I'd like. And she says, great. Now you want to, you want to marry a person that's been married to you for 20 years, but that's not the way marriage works. You build it up from the bottom. Now you're saying, but what do you mean? It's, it's so black and white. I could just build that marriage. No, that's not the way life works. There's so much wisdom that cannot be read in the books. No matter how many books you read by people that are married 50 years, you can't inculcate that knowledge in you. It will happen through mistakes. It will happen through challenges. It will happen through some fights and arguments and learning boundaries and learning respect and all that stuff that we walk into marriage relatively clueless about. And hopefully one day we wake up and we start learning them. Slowly but surely. But until we're comfortable with the gray, comfortable with the fact that not every day we're going to wake up and know exactly what to do in every challenge of our day. No, we don't. You're facing a teenager in the house. It's not black and white what to do with a teenager who's screaming at you and slamming the door. It's not black and white. Do you go and give them a hug? Do you put your foot down? 
Do you set firm boundaries? Do you set soft boundaries? Do you set boundaries at all? Do you take them on a trip to the Alps? This isn't rocket science, but yet so often we forget this basic premise, and that is life is a lot of complexity and gray. And even a person who is religious and observant and follows the principles, the morality of Torah, will still be confronted every day with scenarios that are hard to decipher. Maybe eventually they'll be able to find the wisdom, but it's not like, oh, I opened the book and now exactly I know what to do with my 16-year-old who just slammed the door on my nose. No, you don't. And how uncomfortable does that make you? And how comfortable are you with that discomfort? That's really the question I'm asking myself. Am I comfortable sitting in the doctor's office waiting for the results of a scan? It doesn't mean I'm not a little edgy, but am I, does that make me fall apart? Or am I comfortable to sit there saying, you know what, it's okay. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Unfortunately, in our time, and I do believe it's thanks to the gifts of our time, how good our lives are comparison to history, one of the downsides is a lack of resilience by many of us. Our grandparents and great-grandparents who, you know, toughened it up in very difficult circumstances didn't have that assumption that life is here to be comfortable. They never convinced themselves even for a moment. Somehow, for whatever reason, we convinced ourselves this narrative. And that is such a dangerous, unhealthy narrative that keeps on biting us hard because it's not true. What are your thoughts here on 101.9 Chai FM? This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. And we are talking about our ability each and every day to face with the challenges we're given and fight them and overcome them and to believe that God believes in us. And I I finished off the last segment talking about, you know, our ancestors. I'm... In a few days, I'm, I'm commemorating the yard site of uh, some of my grandparents, my mother's parents specifically, both the mother and father are within the next few weeks. And I've spoken about them a while ago on the radio, certain elements of their life. And although I didn't know them, they, they, my grandfather wrote a book in which he really um, told his story, at least part of a story. And I've been able to learn about him through listening to stories of my mom and her siblings. And one of the things that has always impressed me so powerfully was despite the fact that he lived and he and she, my grandparents lived through hell, literally, they still believed in life and they believed that life was worth living. For me, that is the, the the concept, that life is worth living despite the challenges. My grandfather lost his only, si- si- his only brother, his only sister, his mom and his dad by the Nazis. And they were shot in the, the same pit in Krasnostav, Ukraine. His entire family was wiped out. My grandmother 
lost many brothers who were shot by the communists, by the Russian communists, by Stalin. She lost a few of her brothers. Others were killed by fighting on the Russian front against the Nazis. And she and her three sisters survived. But the rest of her family, she had quite a few more siblings, and many nephews and nieces died during the war. Then they lost their eldest son, who died from typhus at the age of two during the war years that he didn't have any medicine to give. Then they spent the 20 years after the war unable to make it to the Holy Land, to Israel, unable to make it to the United States, stuck in Russia. From 1945 to 1966, even after everything they went through during the world wars, they were stuck communist Russia living during the Stalin era and in the Kirchner area. And during this time, while fighting simply to survive, by being threatened by the Russian government all the time, simply because they were practicing religious Jews. They were observant Jews who wanted to keep their Shabbos and wanted to keep their Yom Tevim and wanted to eat kosher. Simply for that, they were harassed constantly, threatened that their kids would be taken away, threatened to be thrown, that they would be thrown in prison. Thank God it never happened. Till 1966. And many days waiting in bread lines only to receive one loaf of bread, and that was a good day, after 10 hours waiting in the line. And sometimes there was nothing in the store to bring home. Despite terrible economic situations, my grandparents had 13 children, besides the boy that passed away. 13 children they, my grandmother gave birth to all while living in communist Russia in impossible circumstances and without without owning a car definitely for many of those years living in a one and a half two bedroom apartment in the outskirts of Moscow living impossible impossible scenarios and I often people when I share with them that story they'll tell me so why did they have 13 kids? In that scenario, I wouldn't even have one. Because they still believed, despite the fact that they never knew if they would make it out of Russia, despite the fact that they never knew if they will taste freedom in their lives, they believed that life was worth bestowing, that life was worth living, even in those challenges. The greatest act of faith, the people that came out of the Holocaust and people that come out of challenging situations is when they come out and they believe that life is worth living. When we come out of a difficult scenario and we sit there saying, okay, it's not worth having kids. How many people have told me that? I've been told by hundreds of people, Rabbi, having kids today is a silly endeavor. Why? Because, you know, life is tough. Like, really? Tougher than when? And... That's number one. More importantly, why is life tough a reason to not have children? Why are we so uncomfortable with the discomfort? Why are we making decisions about whether to bestow life, whether to live our lives, whether to live in joy based on circumstances? Is life really only about comfort? 
As one person told me, Rabbi, you know, today it's so hard to get an education in this country. If I bring a child into this world, what kind of life am I bringing them into? And you're like, really, is that the only reason you bring kids into the world, to make sure they get an education? First of all, most of the kids end up getting an education. Second of all, your kid might not even want an education. Third of all, how does that even become an an equalizer? How does that even become part of the equation? The second life's uncomfortable. It's not worth living. Really? Is that what we tell our child or that our child to be that, you know what, if life was a little more comfortable and I could guarantee you the moon, the stars, then I would have you. But because I can't guarantee you everything and I don't have an extra seat in the back of my car, you're not worth living. Again, I'm not saying being irresponsible. But as I said earlier in the show, this God helps those who help themselves statement is often taken too far. God wants us to do the right thing. God wants us to believe. And yes, he helps us as well. We have to be responsible. But responsible doesn't mean being super cautious. Responsible doesn't mean to be uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. Responsible doesn't mean to be so timid from taking risks. Heaven forbid. And here I have a text from an Anonymous who says, I am comfortable being who I am, not who you say I must be. Absolutely, I agree. We are, should each one be comfortable with who we are and not with what anyone says they should be. This is 101.9 High FM here on Soul to Soul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, and we're about to wrap up the show. Thank you, Craig, for being here. Um, in just a moment, we're going to be playing a song by a cappella called Shifchi. How did that show make you feel? Make you feel a bit uncomfortable? Make you feel comfortable? <laughs> Truth is, based on everything we said, that shouldn't really matter. Again, as I said at the beginning of the show, every idea is nuanced. There's a million ways to attack this issue. What I want to do is just generate a conversation, a conversation that you could have. You could agree, you could disagree, you could scream from the rooftops. But ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, when we make decisions at home, when we raise our kids a certain way, when we tell ourselves certain messaging, when we talk to our friends and our employees and, our, and everyone around, are we trying to make their life comfortable by making them avoid the discomfort or are we empowering them to walk through the discomfort? Are we believing in ourselves that we can and we will and we must wake up every day and face the world that is. Please God, very soon Mashiach will come, the Redeemer will come, and then everything will be sweet, comfortable, and nice. Well, we're still going to have to grow, but it's not going to be the, the same discomfort that we're going to have now. There won't be the same challenges we have now. But every moment that we're alive in this dark exile and every moment we're alive in this world is a moment of challenge. Can we rise to our higher self or can we not? And that challenge is not the curse of life. It's the gift of life. It's the reason that we're told that millions upon millions, uncounted amount of souls in heaven wish for the opportunity to be alive for just one day. All the angels in heaven are jealous of human beings simply because the human being has one thing the angel will never have. Discomfort. Discomfort is a blessing. What we do with it, what we do with that opportunity determines how wide our smile is determines our ability to cope and really determines the quality, majesty, and accomplishment of our life. Wishing you and yours have a great week. Have a good day. May we only share simchas. May we only share good things. And may we 
overcome whatever comes our way because we can. Finishing off, this is Shifchi here on 101.9 Chai FM.